Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. That's right. This train is building up ahead of steam each and every day that we are on. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey, turn some corners, and maybe pick up a few passengers along the way. So what do we have on tap for today's episode? Even I don't know that. So the best way to find out is tune in and enjoy the ride of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And we're about ready to get this train on the track. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right, your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith, here to just ride them down these tracks. Hope that you enjoy your journey. Glad you got your ticket. Glad you are on board. A lot has happened this week. So much so until I don't even think I can build up enough steam to keep up with it. But to start my story off with, we're going to talk about the retirement. Then we're going to get into something else NFL related, and it is not a good look. And whatever happens after that, all I can say is just make sure you keep your seatbelt on and enjoy the ride. It is a-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. So let's get this train on the track. Like when you hear people talk about Steph Curry in the NBA and how you could be a guy of his stature and still be considered a top five player because of your extraordinary ability to do something. And Tom's extraordinary ability was, was obviously he could throw, he could compete. He was there in final moments, but his, his extraordinary ability was every time those moments came, he met them and he understood the challenge. And it was like doing, it was like playing in the first quarter was like playing in the fourth quarter when you meet needed to make a drive to win the game. And also y'all, the man was 44 and he was playing in the Super Bowl. Like, like context for a second. Like for you to have that ability to go that far, and obviously it has a lot to do with his other teammates, but Tom Brady is the greatest of all time in the NFL. Not only because of championships, but because we can reflect on a thousand moments where they should have been out of it. They should have lost. And he was somehow, some way found a way to wheel his team to victory. So it wasn't the it wasn't the pretty guy out of college with the six-pack and all of that. It wasn't the guy that was fastest or all of that. I think that's what people will relate to. It was like this common dude eventually worked himself into becoming the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. So yeah. that's that's what I have a lot of respect for. But Marcus, story is cool. There's a lot of other things we're going to have to talk to. I- Tom Brady announced his retirement. And the way he did it, Adam Schefter, who thought he had the news, didn't have it. Any other mainstream media outlet that thought they had the news didn't have it. Some had him retired on Saturday. However, Bruce Arians hadn't heard nothing. Buccaneers general manager hadn't heard nothing. Here's the deal. Tom Brady retired on his own merit. Did it his own way. There wasn't no farewell tour. There wasn't no, this is my last year. 
We're going to ride off into the sunset. We're going to enjoy the ride. He just basically went to Instagram and posted on Instagram. This is it. A guy that sometimes I agree with him and a lot of times I disagree with him by the name of Colin Cowherd said it best like this. Tom Brady left when he still had a lot left. So, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement from the NFL, saying Tuesday in an Instagram post that he is not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If a 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. And success is what I love so much about our game, Brady said in his statement on Instagram. There is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential. And I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting the past week and have asked myself difficult questions. And I am so proud of what we have achieved. My teammates, coaches, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me. But right now, it's best I leave the field of play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes. Brady, 44, widely considered the greatest quarterback in NFL history, won seven Lombardi trophies. The most championships won by a single player, along with five Super Bowl MVPs. He rewrote much of the NFL record book with personal and team accomplishments. He piled up career records such as most touchdown passes, 624, and most passing yards, 84,250 in his 22 seasons, of which 20 were with the New England Patriots. My playing career has been such a thrilling ride and far beyond my imagination and full of ups and downs Brady said in his statement when you're in it every day you really don't think about any kind of ending as I sit here now however I think of all the great players and coaches I was privileged to play with and against the competition was fierce and deep just how we like it but the friendships and relationships are just as fierce and deep I will remember and cherish these memories and revisit them often. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. Brady, who led the Bucks to a Super Bowl title last season and NFC South Championship this season, has been adamant for weeks that he never wanted a farewell season, sources told ESPN. Buccaneers executives and coaches have been bracing for Brady's retirement in recent weeks, recognizing that it was more likely than not that he would hang it up after the season team sources told ESPN to my Bucks teammates the past two years I love you guys and I've loved going to battle with you Brady said in his post you have dug so deep to challenge yourself and it inspired me to wake up every day and give you my best I am always here for you guys and want to see you continue to push yourselves to be your best I couldn't be happier with what we accomplished together in his announcement Brady thanked everyone with the Bucks his business partners his agents and his family. While we, while he reflected on his career, he did not specifically mention his time with the Patriots or anybody within the organization in his statement, though he did later thank the team and his fans in response to a statement issued by Patriots owner Robert Kraft. Words cannot describe the feelings I have for Tom Brady nor adequately express the gratitude my family. The New England Patriots and our fans have for Tom for all he did during his career, Kraft said in his statement. A generation of football fans have grown up knowing only an NFL in which Tom Brady dominated. You didn't have to be a Patriots fan to respect and appreciate his competitiveness, determination, and will to win that fueled his success. As a fan of football, it was a privilege to watch as, as a Patriots fan. It was a dream come true. Sources told ESPN on Saturday that Brady had chosen to retire, but Brady's family and the Bucks had said that a final decision had not been reached. 
on Monday, Brady told Sirius XM podcast that he wasn't ready to finalize his plans. After 20 seasons with New England that already had cemented his legacy, Brady joined the Bucks in March 2020 and immediately added another chapter to his story with a seventh Super Bowl title, the first one by a team in its own stadium. Tom joined us as the greatest football player of all time, and he quickly showed everyone in our organization what that meant, Bucks coach Bruce Arians said Tuesday. He set a standard and helped create a culture that took our team to the mountaintop. It has been an honor to be his head coach for the past two seasons. I wish it didn't have to end, but few players have the opportunity to leave the game on their own terms. Even fewer can do it while playing at an elite level. Tom is the exception. I have a deep appreciation and respect for what he has done for our franchise, and I wish him and his family nothing but the best in his next chapter of life after football. Overall, Brady finishes with a 243-73 and regular season record and 35-12 and in the playoffs. He won three MVP awards and was selected to the Pro Bowl 15 times. Brady went from 199th pick in the 2000 draft to replacing and injured Drew Bledsoe in 2001 and leading New England to a Super Bowl victory over the heavily favored Rams that season. Brady led the Patriots to consecutive Super Bowl titles following the 2003-2004 season. No team has since repeated as champions. But New England wouldn't win another for, another one for a decade, twice losing to the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, including a 17-14 defeat on February 3, 2008, that prevented the Patriots from completing a perfect season. Brady earned his fourth ring after the 2014 season. Two years later, in the biggest Super Bowl comeback, he led the Patriots out of a 28-3 deficit in the third quarter against Atlanta Falcons to win in overtime for number five. Brady got his sixth championship when New England beat the Rams following the 2018 season. He reached the playoffs 19 times, won 18 division titles, went 10-4 and four in conference championships, 7-3 in Super Bowls. After starting his first game on September 30, 2001, Brady was under center for every game except when he suffered a season-ending knee injury in Week 1 in 2008 and the first four games in 2016 when he set out a suspension because of the deflate gate scandal. Known for his work ethic, intense exercise regimen, and strict diet, Brady was better with age. After turning 37, Brady won four Super Bowls and was 17-4 in the playoffs. He was 95-30, and 30, completed 65.2% of his passes for 35,371 yards, 265 TDs, 69 interceptions, and a 100.2 passer rating in the regular season in those eight seasons. Tom Brady will be remembered as one of the greatest to ever play in the NFL, Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a statement released Tuesday. An incredible competitor and leader, his stellar career is remarkable for its longevity, but also for the sustained excellence he displayed year after year. Tom made everyone around him better and always seemed to rise to the occasion in the biggest moments. He inspired fans in New England, Tampa, and around the world with one of the greatest careers in NFL history. It has been a privilege to watch him compete and have him in the NFL. We thank him for his many contributions to our game and wish Tom and his family all the best in the future. The retirement of one Tom Brady. The retirement of one young kid taken 199th overall in the draft. Worked his tail off. Well, like I say, whether you like Tom Brady or don't like Tom Brady, whether you like the Patriots, didn't like him, whether you like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or didn't like him. Or even if you just want to attach Spygate and Deflategate to his name. You cannot take away what the man has accomplished. And once again, walking away when yet he can still play again at the age of 44. I doubt in this lifetime we will ever see another Tom Brady. 
Only question now is what's left next for Aaron Rodgers? How soon will it be before we be singing his retirement song? Tom Brady. The tuck rule and the Raiders haven't been the same since. However you view Tom Brady. You have to give him his props. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, one of the greatest of all times. I guess you could say he just happens to fit the mold of being bred to be a champion in that Boston, New England area. I mean, they're in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Think about all the great runs of the Boston Celtics during the Bill Russell era. Of course, I wasn't privy to witness that. But I also witnessed, but I did witness their championship runs. Larry Bird. Seen Larry Bird playing at Indiana State. He goes on to Boston. Epic battles with Magic Johnson. It brought a new fever pitch to rivalry between the Lakers and the Celtics. Something which we will probably never see again because of all the friendliness in the NBA. But now, after that dies down, all of a sudden football takes center stage. Actually, at one point I was in on the Patriots. I was a Drew Bledsoe fan. I hated when he got hurt. But then this Tom Brady kid came along. And all he had to do was step on the field. And the rest was history. Seven championships. Seven Super Bowl rings. Ten trips. Seven victories. I'll take that 70% towel any day of the week. I know the black guy is going to be okay. He lost to the Giants twice. Okay. Who hasn't lost? And don't say Jordan. We're talking football. Eventually, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost the Super Bowl to their arch rival, the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady, thank you for all the memories that you have left us. Some good, some bad. Sometimes you beat our favorite teams. But we can't take away what you have accomplished. So we say to Tom Brady, enjoy your retirement. But thank you for what you left us on the field. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And I am going to go ahead and pause and take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So stay tuned. I'll be back with some more for you. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride. to my next segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. It's yours. A-Train. Your host, Conductor Anthony Smith. We talk about more to get to. We're sticking with the NFL. So the NFL is getting ready to deal with lawsuits, seems like. 
coming from one Brian Flores. Former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores said on Wednesday his refusal to throw games as a way to improve the football club's chances of landing a top draft pick ultimately cost him his job. Flores, who was fired last month by Miami, alleged in a proposed class action complaint on Tuesday that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for every loss in 2019 as incentive to help the team land a higher draft pick in 2020. As to comment on Flores' accusations, the Dolphins referred Reuters to a statement the team issued on Tuesday that said, the implication that we acted in a manner inconsistent with the integrity of the game is incorrect. The order for drafting players is mostly determined by each team's finish in the previous season, with the teams ranked lowest in the standings getting the first picks. Well, I think we know that. The thrust of the lawsuit was to accuse the NFL and its 32 teams of discriminating against black candidates for coaching and management jobs. Flores is black. The NFL, in a statement on Tuesday responding to the suit, said the claims of racial bias were without merit and that its clubs were committed to ensuring equitable employment practices. The game, the, this game's done a lot for me. I grew up not far from here in the projects in Brownsville, Brooklyn. I didn't grow up with a lot. This game, you know, changed my life, Flores, in his first interview since the lawsuit was filed. Told CBS's mornings, told CBS mornings on Wednesday when asked about the alleged financial incentive. So to attack the integrity of the game, that's what I felt was happening in that instance. And I wouldn't stand for it. I think it hurt my standing within the organization and ultimately was the reason why I was let go. Miami's decision to part ways with Flores was one of the more surprising head coach firings of the 2021 NFL season, given the Dolphins won eight of their final nine games after starting the season one and seven. Flores, who took over a struggling Miami team in 2019, went 24 and 25 during his three seasons in charge, but failed to lead them to the playoffs, a drought that dates back to the 2016 season. According to Flores, teams have conducted sham interviews with black candidates to satisfy a 2003 NFL policy known as the Rooney Rule requiring that minorities be interviewed for coaching jobs. Flores alleges that the New York Giants interviewed him for a head coach position last week having already decided to hire a white coach, Brian Dayball. In a statement on Tuesday, the Giants said they were pleased and confident with the process that resulted in the hiring of Brian Dayball and that Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Flores told CBS Mornings the lawsuit was filed with the hopes of creating change in the hearts and minds of who's, who of those who hire head coaches, executives, and other team leaders. Black coaches are rare in a sport where 70% of the players are black. So, here's where you can weigh in, because this will probably be my poll question. Do you think Brian Flores was let go unjustly? Does Brian Flores have a legitimate claim? When you stop and think about it, Maybe it does seem kind of odd that you have a league where 70% of your employers, because that's in essence, that's what they are. They are employed by that team. 70% of your employers are black. But yet, you can't get too many black coaches. Now, albeit, I will say this. 
Mike Tomlin is in a unique situation because he's with an organization that's just not quick on pulling the trigger on their coaches. They are very loyal to their coach. So he's that one knight in shining armor in this whole fiasco. Maybe in the days and weeks to come, maybe he'll be able to chime in on this topic. Then again, maybe he won't. He has a secure job. But maybe because of the security of his job, maybe he too should have a voice. What is, how does Eric Bieniemy feel about this situation? Because if there's anyone that would have a legitimate crank, a legitimate gripe with all the interviews he's had, he would know firsthand. At least 20 something odd interviews the last two years. And you're telling me the man can't get a job? Even his coach, Andy Reid, has stood up for him and said that this may be the year he gets a job. Well, he still hasn't. Of course, you don't hear Eric Bieniemy crying about the process. However, though, Hugh Jackson, you remember him, don't you? He's coaching at Grambling State University. But he has something to say in regards to this situation. He is basically saying same thing that Brian Flores is saying. Oh. Not only does he say that, how about Hugh Jackson's executive director says she has proof Browns paid Jackson and others to tank. So let's see exactly Hugh Jackson perspective. Former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson says he didn't understand tanking plan in sports interview. And basically goes like this. Former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson didn't exactly corroborate claims made by Kimberly Dimert, executive director of the Hugh Jackson Foundation, who alleged Brown's owner, Jimmy Haslam, paid executives and Jackson for losing games in the 2016-2017 season. Instead, Jackson, in an interview with SportsCenter anchor Ellie Duncan on ESPN, pointed to a four-year plan laid out to him by the team he didn't fully understand focused on acquiring draft picks and salary cap space and not focusing on winning until year three. There was a four-year plan that was crafted, and I have documentation of that. I think any coach would kind of cringe at it if he saw it, Jackson said, because it talked about things that had nothing to do with winning, egregiate rankings, being the youngest team, having so many draft picks, none of those things are what led to winning. Demert's accusations, which also included accusations of payments to then-executive vice president of football operations, Sashi Brown, Andrew Berry, who worked under Brown at the time, and chief strategy officer Paul DePodesta, came in a tweet on Tuesday 
after fired Dolphins coach Brian Flores sued the NFL and three teams alleging discrimination in hiring practices. Flores also accused the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, for offering him $100,000 per loss in 2019 to improve the team's draft position. Congratulations, hashtag Brian Flores, for your bravery. We have records that will help our case. DM me, Demer tweeted at NFL and at NFL Commission, knew about this and covered it up. They did this at Brown's, paid Brown, DePodesta, and Barry bonus dollars, along with at Hugh Jack 10 to tank for 2016-2017 at ESPN. Jackson responded positively to Demert's original tweet and did not refute her claims. And after Jackson was, quote, tweeted by another Twitter user who wrote, Jimmy Haslam's wasn't offering 100K per loss or Hugh would be on the Forbes list, Jackson replied. Trust me, it was a good number. When asked by Duncan if he was explicitly approached by ownership about being incentivized to tank, Jackson again focused on the plan. What I was approached by was understanding what that four-year plan was, and I think if we understood the mechanics of it and how it was laid out, I never knew that plan would lead to those things because I didn't understand it, being very honest, he said. Once I was in it and understood everything that was on that plan and how it affected myself and how others were being paid from it, then it made sense to me that this is a team that can't win. That the first two years, that's why I didn't talk about winning, is not to win so that you can capitalize that way, not so much for me, but for the draft picks, for creating salary cap space so that they could do what they needed to do on the other end. And I do know that no head coach is going to survive if you lose a lot of games. Jackson did mention some sort of bonus he received at the end of the year, but didn't offer specifics. Once being in the midst of it and finding out the team that I had and understanding, now, wait a minute, at the end of the year, there's a, there's a money that's coming in, he said. Like I said, I didn't really understand it. Here's this money and percentage based on what you did. That didn't make any sense to me, and I remember very candidly saying to Jimmy, I'm not interested in bonus money because I've never known that to be a bonus. I was interested in taking whatever that money was and putting it towards getting us more players on our football team because I didn't think we were very talented at all. The Browns responded to the allegations in a statement on Wednesday prior to Jackson's appearance on the Sports Center, calling them completely fabricated. The recent comments by Hugh Jackson and his representatives relating to his tenure as a head coach are completely fabricated, a team spokesman said. Any accusations that any member of our organization was incentivized to, de- to deliberately lose games is categor- categorically false. Jackson was asked by Duncan about the team's response. That's deliberately. That deliberately is a really, really interesting word. And what they said, Jackson said when Duncan asked him about the team statement. My whole key to this at the end of the day is that it's time to do things the right way. When I look at this and I see what Brian went through, I don't think it's fair. I think that when these things happen with coaches, it also affects fellow coaches as they start to move forward. And I don't want this for minority men that are coming behind me and for them to be put in these situations. They don't deserve it, but I know for a fact that I can prove anything and everything that I'm saying. Jackson, who said he would join Flores' suit if that's what needs to happen, was most upset that he was made the face of the team's apparent tanking strategy, which ultimately netted him back-to-back number one picks because Brown his job. He referenced a contract extension he had previously disclosed receiving during the 2017 season after he sat down with Haslam's and told them they were killing his coaching career. The extension was not announced at the time. That should tell everybody something right there. Why do you keep a coach who's 1-31 when your track record has been to get rid of coaches as fast as you can, Jackson said. 
you give him a contract extension, you keep that quiet, and the same people who are involved in all of these transactions are still running the organization today. GM John Dorsey was hired after Brown was fired late in 2018, in the 2018 season. But Barry was retained until he left the organization in 2019 to work under Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. Barry returned as GM in 2020. Jackson was fired midway through the 2018 season after a 2-5-1 start. Jackson said he spoke to the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, about the plan, about what he thought was going on, and he went to arbitration with the Browns over the issue. He said he tried to sound the alarm, but no one would listen because the team's record was so bad. I would challenge anybody if I am not being a, if I'm not being forthcoming and truthful about everything I've dealt with, then let's put it all there. He said, let the Browns say, hey, no, and refute it. And let's pull all this paper out there that I have. And then we can see if I'm dishonest or not. So, could the NFL be looking at another scandal not related to a person or a coach? But could there be some widespread tanking going on in the NFL? And why is the NFL so quick to refute? Why are these teams so quick to say, no, that's not going on? Or I think even the NFL has refuted this as well, too. Could it be they're trying to sweep this under the rug? They want this to go away as quick as possible. And the more people step up and say, hey, this has been going on at this with this organization. This organization is doing the same thing. First, we only hear about Miami. Now, Hugh Jackson recounts back to his days with the Cleveland Browns. And the same thing is going. He's saying the same thing happened then. Matter of fact, somebody just works up under him saying, look, I have the proof. This is what happened. This is the process. And two of your biggest sports that's known for tanking is the NFL and the NBA. So is the NFL on the verge of dealing with a tanking scandal? It remains to be seen. Anyway, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. When I come back, I will have some more newsworthy news for you. Some HBCU. Stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Wanting to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right. Driven by you, the listener. So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship ran on this podcast. Once again, a train sports talk podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride.
Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. Having little glitches and little mishaps. Those things happen. If you don't think they happen, listen to your local sports talk radio. You'll hear it all the time. But we're back. Got that HBCU news ready for you. However, in my last segment, I was talking about Brian Flores being asked to take money. Of course, you know, you've been living, unless you've been living on a rock, Brian Flores is filing a class action lawsuit. Of course, some of that was mentioned in that in that last segment, you know, for what he called sham uh interview practices, practices or hiring practices, whatever you want to call it. Basically says it's a sham. But he was talking about he was asked to take money for tanking, which I'm pretty sure he didn't get too much this year. I mean, he started out one and seven and he probably said the hell with it. You know what? Let's just win these games and whatever happens, happens. So if you heard reports that Brian Flores was having issues with management and not getting along with management, there might be some merit to that because like I said, Hugh Jackson spoke out on the matter. But before I move forward, in my HBCU report, I want to share this with you. Games on purpose and all this. And this RG three talking about his time when he was in Cleveland under Hugh Jackson that came out i just don't know if anybody expected hugh jackson to come out today and say that he was offered money and or took money i, don't, I know there's a little uh uncertainty about what that was but you know if he, if he took money for for losing games for years upon years that's you know he went one in 31 that's a lot of money for all those losses and i just so happen to be a player who played on that 2016 cleveland browns team and i vividly remember right before we got to the regular season they cut a slew of veterans that were going to help us win games that knew how to be pros and we went into that season with the most rookies I believe ever on the active roster in in, in NFL history so when you talk about the work that guys put in uh, if Hugh Jackson was offered that or that was the plan there in Cleveland for that year I'm a guy that was adversely affected by that and uh, you know it kind of throws me for a loop because I knew we were going to be talking about Brian Flores but in this situation we're talking about things that are impacting people's lives Flores said he would never take that money uh, he would never do that because he, it's about the integrity of the game. And as everybody on the panel has already stated, the integrity of the game, these guys, guys like myself, we're, we're putting everything we possibly can into it. The weightlifting, the, the nutrition, the studying. And for a coach or an owner to say, you know what, we don't care about that. We don't care about your career. We care about draft picks or something else down the line is beyond disgusting uh, and very infuriating. Wow. So, looks as if the NFL is headed toward a scandal. And every team is going to be put on notice. Especially the bottom feeders. Because when you stop and think about it, fans pay good money. These tickets are not cheap. These tickets are expensive. And... You should be putting your best foot forward every time. I mean, that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Now, in the situation of Jacksonville, that was a hot mess from the beginning. I didn't have much confidence in Urban Meyer in the first place. But we're not talking about Urban Meyer and Jacksonville. We're talking about Brian Flores getting possibly unjustly fired from the Miami Dolphins come to find out was pretty much asked to take a bribe of 100k per game to lose basically to tank for some more draft picks that doesn't always work out sometimes that kid you think may be ready for the pros just might not be ready that kid you think might be ready if you will allow me to reference might be another Achilles Smith or Jamarcus Russell. 
if what RG3 said was true, why would you unload all your veterans, all the guys that know what it takes to be a pro? The draft picks aren't always a guarantee. Sometimes you have to make trades and go and get those veterans that can help you win. Sometimes it happens overnight. It's not very likely that everybody will get a Joe Burrow who's only in his first full year because his first year he blew out his leg, leg injury, season ending. I have my reserves about Brian Flores talking about racial practices. But yeah, I do think now maybe it's time to do away with the Rooney rule. That Rooney rule basically says you have to interview a minority or two. In other words, I'm being for. I'm being forced to do something that I don't want to do is basically what you're telling the owners. And then now this comes out. So the NFL is looking at some dark times, I would say, so to speak. I mean, especially when it comes to scandals. You can't sweep this under the rug because eventually some more people are going to come out. Other teams are going to be exposed. Right now it's Miami and now Cleveland. And apparently there is some proof. But anyway. Let me move on from that. Because I promised you some HBCU news. And. One of the things that is shaping the headlines. That is making news. that Jackson State pulls out of the Southern Classic. And there's a reason behind that. It may not be the most popular reason, but another rivalry game featuring Jackson State is about to undergo a change. JSU has announced that it will be pulling out of the Southern Heritage Classic its annual rivalry game against Tennessee State University, according to WRG. According to Jackson State, the SWAC has entered an agreement that conflicts with the game, which is played annually at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. That means that the current agreement between the two schools will end two years shy of the contract that began in 2019 and was set to run through 2024. The Southern Heritage Classic dates back to the 1990s, although the rivalry between the two HBCU schools go back much further. TSU has participated in every SHC, which is the Southern Heritage Classic, while Jackson State skipped out on the 1991 and 1993 games as Mississippi Valley State and Grambling State filled in. It is annually one of the highest attended games in FCS football. 2021 edition of the game was a huge success at the gate with 46,171 fans coming to see Deion Sanders' JSU Tigers taking on Eddie George's TSU Tigers. Cat fight. Cat fight in Tennessee. (laughs) This news comes a week after the SWAC announced that JSU would be participating in three classics in Birmingham over the next three years including two games against heated rival Southern University. That news sent shockwaves through the SWAC world, including JSU. JSU is expected to announce its 2022 football schedule early next week. Tennessee State has not released its football schedule yet either, but obviously it has a big hole to fill now. And what else can we give you? Grambling State snags former Texas commit Faison Wilson. That's right. We're looking at National Signing Day. So let's see what happens. Grambling State 
snags former Texas commit Faison Wilson. Ramney State was the last visit for Faison Wilson, and apparently he saw enough to convince him. The the three-star wide receiver who was once committed to the University of Texas signed with GSU on Wednesday during National Signing Day. Besides playing for a former NFL coach in Hugh Jackson, he definitely took note of Grambling's upcoming NIL deal that would include all scholarship athletes. Grambling has been making moves, Wilson told on 3.com. They just announced the new NIL deal. It's not like he won't be doing the same thing at a Power 5 school. It will probably be a difference in money, but they're about to do the same things. The New York native committed to Texas prior to his junior season at Lancaster High School. He ultimately decommitted and reopened his recruiting. Currently rated the 58th best wide receiver and 58th best player in Texas, he held offers from the majority of the SEC, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Auburn, and Ole Miss, as well as other Power 5 schools. Let me read those names back to you again. The majority of SEC, Alabama, Arkansas. Yeah, I did that purposely. <laughs> Auburn and Ole Miss, as well as other Power 5 schools. And Faison Wilson won't be the only player from his high school headed to Grambling State. Marquise Sites, a six foot three, 205-pound edge from Lancaster, signed his national letter of intent with Grambling on Wednesday as well. He first stood up to reveal a Jackson State t-shirt and J-cap, but tossed the hat aside, a la Travis Hunter, and picked up a Grambling State sweatshirt. Someone said it was the year of the Tigers, but there are a lot of Tigers in the swag. Boy, there's going to be a lot of cat fighting going on. A lot of cat fighting, and this makes for good football at the HBCU level. Because now you got shade being tossed. <laughs> Can't wait. I know that sounds like Bart, Bart Scott, doesn't it? Anyway, that's not all I have for you. I have some more. Much, much more on the HBCU scene. I'm not going to let you out that easy, okay? Because it is National Signing Day. Let's see who else made some headlines as far as National Signing Day. Alcorn State University Alcorn State University football National Signing Day track. Who did they sign? Connor Foy, offensive lineman, Pearl High School, 6'2, 290. Aaron Allen, quarterback, La Tech, 6'1, 200. Ronald Brown, offensive lineman, Mississippi Delta Community College, 6'2, 315. Yep, Alcorn State University football national signing day tracker the alcorn state 2022 football recruiting class is ready to hit the ground running alcorn state university 2022 football recruitment class is ready to hit the ground running the braves want to know who wants to smoke this fall tremble Dudley Brown is a center out of Gainesville, Florida. He graduated from Gainesville High School in 2020 and started his collegiate career at Mississippi Delta Community College. He announced his commitment to Alcorn State University as a transfer on Wednesday morning. Aaron Allen is transferring to Alcorn State University after playing quarterback at Louisiana Tech. Allen redshirted his freshman year in 2018. He played in 16 games during the 2019 in 2020 season. He played in seven games during the 2021 season. 
Connor Foy is a class of 2022 offensive tackle and Mississippi native. Foy played high school football at Pearl High School. He played center and tackle. Jaquez Du. Jaquez Du is a linebacker transferring from Lenore Rhyme University. Du is a Georgia native and played high school football at Whitefield Academy. He graduated in 2020. Jaquez Du originally committed to Alcorn State University at the beginning of the year and now has officially signed with the team. Kawan Herndon. Kawan Herndon is a running back transferring to Alcorn State from Colorado State University. Herndon is a Florida native who graduated from Trinity Christian as a three-star prospect in 2020. Herndon held offers from Ole Miss and Florida State. Charles Gonzalez. Charles Gonzalez is a defensive lineman transferring from Cisco Community College. Gonzalez is a Texas native and will hit the field for the Braves with three years of eligibility left. And Argelin Marshall. Argelin Marshall is a defensive back, is a defensive tackle out of Mississippi. He played for Laurel High School and will hit the field for Alcorn State as a true freshman. Marshall played both football and baseball at Laurel High School. There you have some of the key recruits for Alcorn State. Let's take a look at Jackson State. The National Sunday 2022 in full swing. All eyes are on Jackson State football recruiting class. 247sports.com has ranked this year's class at Jackson State 79th overall. Even though JSU competes at the FCS level, that ranking is ahead of several Power 5 programs. Here's a look at this year's class. Travis Horner, defensive back, athlete. Do we really need to say anything more about Travis Horner? The first five-star high school prospect to sign with an HBCU since the ranking system began in 2006 or any FCS football program. Is, history, is a history maker. Hunter was the number one college prospect in the country, playing wide receiver and defensive back. He, will, he was selected as the Max Preps Player of the Year representing the state of Georgia. The expectation is that he will be an outstanding two-way player just like his head coach, Deion Sanders, was. Hunter talks about being a part of history. I want to be a part of that history and more. I want to be a part of that future. I am making this decision so that I can light the way for others to follow. Make it a little easier for the next player to recognize that HBCUs may be everything you want and more. An exciting college experience, a vital community, and a life-changing place to play football, he said. J.P. Andretti, and in his tweet, his Twitter account, he said, Lord, let them see more of you and less of me committed to Jackson State University. Let's go to work. Oh, J.P. Andrade, quarterback, put this in the category of didn't see this one coming. The quarterback room got a little more company on Wednesday evening when former Ohio State quarterback J.P. Andretti announced his commitment to Jackson State University. Andretti was a walk-on quarterback for the Buckeyes who entered the transfer portal on January the 3rd. There is no doubt that Shadur Sanders is the starting quarterback as long as he's upright, but Andretti will bring the experience of being in the quarterback room of one of the top football programs in the country. Andretti is listed as a 6'3", 205-pound pro-style quarterback from San Dimas, California. He was listed as a three-star recruit and went to the Buckeyes as a preferred walk-on. Andretti didn't appear in any games for Ohio State. Here's another one of these big-time signees. Kevin Coleman Jr., wide receiver. Coming along for the ride with Travis Hunter is four-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman. 
the number 61 player in the nation, shunned Miami, Florida State, USC, and Oregon and committed to and committed instead to JSU. I'm taking my talents to play with primetime, Coleman said when asked why he chose Jackson State. He inspired me. Why not be taught by the best? He played both ways and he did everything that I want to do. He continued. True Thompson. Six foot, 312 pounds. D-line. True Thompson is a defensive lineman who transfers into Jackson State from, from, are you ready for it? Florida State University. Thompson from Logansville, Georgia, was a three-star prospect coming out of high school. Thompson is six feet tall and weighs 312 pounds. About six foot seven, three hundred twelve pounds. Simi Moela, offensive lineman. Simi Moela, former Utah offensive tackle. Simi Moela, Moela is headed to Jackson State. He originally signed out of high school with Oregon State in 2015 before leaving on a Latter Day Saints church mission in Nuku Alofa Tonga. The six foot seven, three hundred twelve pounder was a Pac twelve All Conference honorable mention as a redshirt freshman in twenty nineteen. He has started eighteen of twenty four career games so far, the majority of them as a left tackle. About six foot three, two hundred fifty pounds, Antonio Doyle Jr. Antonio Doyle coming out of high school. Antonio Doyle was a top five inside linebacker and the number 89 recruit overall, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. St. Louis native originally committed to Missouri before ultimately signing with Texas A&M. The 6'3", 235-pound Doyle played in all 10 games in 2020 during his freshman year, primarily on special teams. During the 2021 season, Doyle played in eight games with his best effort being five tackles, for loss against New Mexico, Doyle announced his decision to transfer on November the 4th. Six foot one, 180 pounds, 84 pounds, Jordan Williams, wide receiver. Jordan Williams is another former Indiana Hoosier to join the Jackson State Tigers this year. The wide receiver appeared in two games last season for Indiana. He's a three star recruit from Addison, Texas, and originally committed to Indiana in 2020. Williams played for Deion Sanders and with Shadour Sanders at Trinity Christian High School. Six foot one, 245 pound, Kavion Mullins, tight end. Kavion Mullins, who transitioned from a wide receiver to tight end while at South Carolina, still has three seasons of eligibility remaining. Coming out of high school in Memphis, Tennessee, Mullins was a four star prospect for the class of 2019. At the time, he was rated as the number nine player in the state. While at South Carolina, Mullins was redshirted his freshman year before hitting the field in 2020 as a tight end. In five games of action, he caught passes in two games. His career apex for the Gamecocks was against LSU with a 57-yard reception and 101 total yards. And to wrap this up, we have one more here. Shantavis Bartman, 6'5", 315-pound offensive lineman. Shantavis Bartman is a 6'4", 313-pound offensive tackle from, from Hazelhurst, Mississippi. He redshirted his first season at Copiah Lincoln Community College before becoming a starter in 2018 at left tackle. Bartman went to play at UAB before entering the transfer portal and ended up at Jackson State University. And list just goes on, but we're going to have to bring this train into the station. However, I hope I've given you enough content. I hope you've enjoyed the content. 
And like I said, we're going to be keeping an eye on this Brian Flores situation. Of course, you got the news about Tom Brady retiring, and I'm pretty sure there will be much more on that as we will later on break down his statistics, how he just basically manhandled the NFC East during his time there. I mean, the numbers he put up against just that division alone is more numbers than some quarterbacks would put up in their entire career. So we will break that down in the days to come. Also coming up this week will be the return of Outside the Box. Special guest will be a good friend of mine's, one who I also admire his musicality, but he's also into other things. I understand he's doing mentoring. So we're going to talk about that, talking about my good friend and fellow musician buddy and saxophone brother, Kevin Harrison. Also, we're going to bring back the coach's corner this week. I'll leave that anonymous, but there will be a coach's corner this week to let you know that show is that segment is still sponsored by the health connection with three locations to serve you on Douglas here in Wichita on West Douglas, North Rock Road, and also location in Rose Hill. So looking forward to outside the box and also the coach's corner. So until the next time keep your tickets because they are reusable they're free I will probably probably be back with you on tomorrow as well too like I said we're going to be breaking down Tom Brady's career yes I'm going to actually take the time to do that and like I said, we're going to keep you abreast of this Brian Flores situation because there are some other names that have actually said they are standing with Brian Flores. How about Des Bryant? But that's all I'm going to give you. If you want to know what's really being said, you're going to have to listen to the podcast. This is your boy, Anthony. I am stepping out, pulling the train into the station. Be blessed.